I'm Dr. Lara Devgan. I'm a plastic surgeon in New York City, the CEO of Scientific Beauty, and of course, a major beauty enthusiast. You are listening to Beauty Bosses, where we chat with fellow industry leaders who are shaping beauty, fashion, wellness, and all things pretty. Hi everyone, I'm so excited about today's episode of Beauty Bosses. I have KJ Miller and Amanda Johnson, the co-founders of Mented. Welcome. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for you. having us. Yeah, I'm so, so excited to have you guys. Um, I love the concept behind Mented. Um, as you guys probably know, Mented is an upscale makeup brand for women of color mm -hmm. all across the color spectrum. Mm -hmm. And they have grown so fast. And I think you guys have made so much news because um, you know, I heard that you've had over a million dollars of revenue in the first year and now it's continuing to grow beyond that. You've raised four million in venture funding. Everybody's talking about you. <laughs> <laughs> so congratulations. Thank you. Um, let me start by having you guys tell us what does mented mean? Sure, yeah. So minted is short for pigmented and we went through a bunch of names yes. trying to come up with a name for the company, but we landed on that one because we kept talking about how we wanted this brand to be fully pigmented. We wanted to make sure it showed up and it really complemented deeper skin tones. And we said that word over and over again and suddenly it was sort of like, wait, Amanda, why don't we call it minted? Yeah. And it clicks like, yes, that makes sense. Yeah. Did you make up the term minted? I mean, yeah, I guess so. Um, no one was really saying pigmented short for, you know, minted short for pigmented before that. Now they are. And what's great is when we meet, you know, vendors or customers or whatever, and we kind of let them in on the secret that minted is short for pigmented, they're like, oh, like, oh, they get it. And then now it's a secret they can share with other people. So they're kind of let in on it, yeah. which is nice because yeah. then we all kind of share it together. Well, yeah. I like it too because of this idea that not only is what you're doing powerful for the actual topic, which we'll get to in a minute, but language is power. And if you mm -hmm. give people more words to describe a certain thing, then it, it in a way it exists more. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so mented is like, I mean, it's probably an urban dictionary by now. <laughs> <laughs> you should check. check. Yeah. Check. yeah, that would be amazing. Or we should put it in there. <laughs> totally. Yeah, exactly. Totally. <laughs> um, okay, so let's rewind. Um, on Beauty Bosses, we like to understand the origin story. So first of all, how do you guys know each other? Yeah. Do you want to tell it? Sure. We, we met at business school. So Amanda and I went to Harvard Business School. We graduated in 2014, and we actually met and really got to know each other because of the HBS show, So, which is this variety show. There's singing and dancing and jokes and nonsense. And I was singing in the show, and Amanda was doing uh, heading up costumes for the show. And we just clicked. Yeah. And after that, we started working on like school projects together. Um, and realized we worked really well together. And by the time we graduated, we were like, it wouldn't it be cool if we did, like, did a thing together, like a yeah. real thing together. Yeah. Um, it just, we just clicked right away, just yeah. like she said. I mean, we enjoy the same jokes. KJ loves telling jokes. I love laughing at them, so it really <laughs> works well together. Yeah. <laughs> and we just we just see the world in a way that is funny to us and interesting and we can always talk about it or talk about big dreams and so it just made sense so after graduation we would um, we both moved to New York for our full-time jobs KJ was in consulting I was in digital business development and we would meet up periodically every couple weeks or so to talk through different ideas so yeah. we didn't have it yet but there were 
lots of different points of interest that sparked really good conversation. Yeah. And one night over wine, as the story goes, right. that's when the juices start flowing. Um, we were just talking about life hacks. And of course, that led to beauty hacks and what we like and what we don't like. And I said something like, I've been trying to find the perfect new lipstick for like three years. And that's when KJ was like, oh my God, me too. In fact, there's nothing I really like. And that was kind of just the light bulb moment. And from there, we've been sprinting towards this global makeup dream. That's so awesome. <laughs> so you identified, I feel like this is a common story for guests of our podcast. They go to HBS. And then <laughs> that's how it starts. So for anyone listening, fill out your application. Yeah. Um, and then you come up with a pain point in the industry, mm-hmm. and then it's something that you like personally suffer from, yeah. and then you solve it. So yeah. how did you guys create Mented Cosmetics? Did you wait till after graduation? Or was yeah, it? Okay. we did. We definitely waited. And, and, and we, we did it from scratch, mostly because we had to. We started by thinking, oh, okay, we want to create a makeup line. Let's call makeup manufacturers, you know, and see if we can make a makeup line with them. But what we kept hearing was, A, they didn't really get the problem, and B, it was going to be super expensive. I mean, every manufacturer has minimum order quantities for every SKU. Most of those manufacturers, it's 5,000 units per, right? So we didn't want to launch with one lipstick. We wanted to launch with multiple lipsticks. So when we did the math, we were like, oh, before we even know if anyone likes this thing, if we go with the manufacturer, we're going to be $30,000 in the hole. That is not a good way to test if you've got a good idea. At least not if you're not rich or a Kardashian, right? Like that's, <laughs> that's not a good way to test anything. Yes. So we were like, let's. What if we taught ourselves how to make lipstick? And what if we made it? That would be way cheaper. And then we could give it out, and we could understand: Do people like it? Do people want it? So we literally went to YouTube, taught ourselves how to make lipstick. And then made it. Wait, so then... how did you get the ingredients? <laughs> so you literally <laughs> like made Google, a little lab yeah. in your kitchen. Yeah, and Google. You got some. What's in lipstick? Tell us. Primarily wax, oil. That's Colorant. the base. Yeah. And then you need like yeah, colorants. So you need like liquid dyes or, or powdered micas um, to go in them. Okay, a it's very fragrance. simple. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so you were kind of doing the full Breaking Bad. Totally. <laughs> we did have we, a hot plate. We had a hot plate, and yeah, we and we had our molds, like our industrial mold that we bought online yeah. from China, and, <laughs> and yeah, we just started making it, and then we were like, let's send it out to influencers because they try makeup all day, and so if we can get it into one of their hands and they say they like it, that's as good as getting like a hundred women or a thousand women who like it because this is just what they do. And if they happen to try it on in front of there and put post it, now we get thousands of women who are like, hey, what's that? What's that shade? I want to try it, which is exactly what happened. So we, on a very shoestring budget, started getting feedback from a lot of women that they liked what they were seeing. They wanted these shades because these shades were so complementary to deeper skin tones um, and they didn't feel like there was anything like it out there. Um, and once we had that feedback was when we realized, all right, we've got something here. We should, we should really pursue this. Yeah. And I'll just say shout out to all of our friends who were early guinea pigs in this. And we were like, we promise we're not going to mess up your face. We just need to test this on your skin. Um, And yeah, all of our friends of different skin tones, different ethnicities, we really made sure the line that we were creating was true to the overall brand we were building, which is a beauty brand for women of color. So no matter where you fall on the spectrum in terms of your top tone or your undertone or your ethnicity, we wanted to make sure there was a product for you. So we tried it on all of our friends, which made us end up adding colors, going deeper, going lighter, going bluer, yellow, pink, 
Um, and so the, the an end result of our capsule collection was for us a phenomenal success because it really proved that we were able to make something truly for women of color that really did cover a very wide spectrum in a way that no big brand was trying to do. That's so awesome. So leading up to this, did you guys have any memorable experiences or memorable stories like in your personal life when you mm -hmm. were trying to get ready for an event or trying to get the right kind of makeup and you just felt like it was not available to you? Totally. Every single day. All the time. <laughs> yeah. It's, I mean, I, I think so many brands, and this isn't to hate on any brands that are out there, but so many brands for so long got away with doing just enough for deeper skin tones, like having a couple lipstick shades, a few foundation shades. And so then you as a woman of color were tasked with making it work. So we did make it work, you know, like we're, we're, we're going to figure it out because that's what women do. But it meant that a lot I feel of like us... I if you got into HBS, you probably are going to find a way to make yeah, it. Yeah, you're going to make it work. But it meant that we were in our bathrooms playing chemist. It meant that, yeah. all right, I got to mix this lipstick with this liner, with this gloss, and if I put it all together, maybe it'll work. Or I got to mix these two foundation shades, and I can only wear them in this season. And You know, it's yeah. just like all of a sudden, you really are playing chemist when all you want is for the brands where you're spending your money to care about you the way that you care about them. Well, you because know? it also does speak to... A little bit of a larger concern which is that fine you can give somebody just enough but if you're not making it a joyful experience for someone to feel like this is my one perfect shade and I have ten runners-up mm -hmm. then you're then you're sort of telling that person how much you care about them exactly, and value them exactly. as a customer yeah you're saying you don't really matter right. or here's how much you matter like, we'll take your money but we're not going to give you a great experience totally. exactly yeah I mean, I feel like, especially with how much women of color participate in beauty, how much we love trends, how much we love to just kind of get in there, right? We overspend in beauty compared to um, to white women. You think the industry would be trying to cater to us, right? Like so often stats say women of color are leading the trends in so many areas of beauty, but these beauty brands have been ignoring the very people who are setting the pace for their own growth. And so it's kind of incredible how long they've been able to ignore this entire group of people. Do you think that colorism is a thing in communities of color? Within communities of color? Yeah, I think, I mean, of course. And I think it's becoming less of a thing, at least in black the black community. And I think we're starting to grapple with it and talk about it more so that it is less of an issue, but still certainly. I watched um, this episode of Blackish last night. Ah, where, did yes. you guys see this one? It was with, a really good episode. It was a really good episode. <laughs> Actually, it was um, my favorite episode that I've seen because yeah. I feel like they really hit the nail on the head. And um, just to summarize for anyone who didn't see it, it's on Hulu um, if you want to watch it. But Diana, the little girl, was underexposed in her class photo because it was lighted to reflect a sort of like medium average Caucasian mm -hmm. skin tone and it led into this whole discussion about colorism within the black community and if um, dark-skinned people were you know kind of dismissive of the struggles of light-skinned people and vice versa and sort of what communities of color 
do to themselves and what that means and why it happened. So I yeah. thought it was interesting. Totally. I thought it was a really well done episode and they went into the complexities that you can have in colorism in, a, in your own family, right? Mm -hmm. Like in that family, the dad is medium skin, the mom is biracial and she's light. And Diane, the younger daughter, is like very deep compared to even her parents. And just when I saw my friends who have families that look like that um, comment and talk about it on Facebook, I definitely think it is something that the black community is absolutely talking about and shows like that help yeah. us talk about it and give us language, as you were talking about early, to put around it. I don't even know that everyone knows what to call it or how to talk about it. I think there are a lot of jokes that the, the episode addressed as well that aren't really funny and actually make people feel quite isolated. So I thought they did a really good job. Well, and I would just add, just from like a, a personal uh, perspective, I am darker skinned than my mom and my two sisters. And when I was little, I hated that. I hated that I wasn't as light as they are. And they're not even that much lighter than me, but I hated that I wasn't their same skin tone. And when I first started using makeup, I actually bought foundation that was lighter than I am so that I could look as light as they did. So I essentially was like painting my face, you know, every day for like a year or two. This was like an early high school. And, you know, which I also think sort of points to how complicated beauty is in general. Like in some ways, beauty is, it's meant to make you feel good and make you feel beautiful. But in some ways, when you take it too far or use it for the wrong thing, it really almost contributes to making you feel less than because you start to feel like, oh, this is the thing I have to have in order to be beautiful when what we have always said about minted is you know we're trying to enhance the beauty you've already got we're not trying to transform you and that's why our focus from the beginning has been on nudes and neutrals and things that really just take the beauty you already have and sort of take it up a notch um versus there's so much makeup out there that really is about painting on a whole new face and as someone who did paint on a whole new face for a, you know a substantial part of my youth I, I hate that idea now, right? I hate the idea that I can't just be beautiful as I am. And I would say too, that's why images matter, right? Like representation matters. Like even one of the things we talked about when we were first creating Minted, it was not only was our products going to absolutely be there and prioritize women of color across the spectrum, but also all of our content, the influencers that we worked with, the models that we use would reflect that wide market as well. And so you would never feel like you were using Minted, but you didn't see yourself in the advertisement. You didn't feel like it was speaking to you. And so often there are a ton of brands that I've used, you use, we all have, but I've never seen a person that looks like me in their advertisements. And so how is that supposed to make me feel? You know, is this for me? Do you care? But I'm giving you my money at the same time. I think it's very powerful in a way that we've just like kind of allowed to be the status quo, but affects people in a, you know, a real way. What are you guys doing in terms of your marketing and branding and advertising on that note? Like, are you, how, what's your strategy and how are you trying to focus on inclusion? Yeah, for us, again, representation matters. So from day one, we've had, you know, I think of our very first model shoot. There was a South Asian model. She's from India, Ta, shout out. Um, a Hispanic model, Cynthia. She's great. She's beautiful. Um, and a very deep skin model, Ashanti, who is also beautiful, this black girl. And we've used all three of them so many times across our advertisements. And so from the very beginning, we had customers reaching out to us and say, this is the first time I've ever seen myself in a beauty ad. And they've clearly been buying makeup their whole lives. This isn't like they're, you know, 16. These are 30-year-old women saying, this is the first time I felt like I mattered and I was included. And so that has been very powerful for us in 
structure the way we think about the models we use, the content that we write, the influencers that we work with. Um, KJ and I are two African-American women, but we know the brand is bigger than just us, and we want to make sure all of those faces, all of those voices are included. We have different blog series that highlight different women doing different things. We work with different influencers all over the country. So even within one you know, uh, race or ethnicity, geography matters, context matters. Um, and so we try and be very thoughtful of bringing all different types of voices to the table to say collectively we are minted. And it's a kind of amazing if you think about this and put it in perspective because over half of the world's population is in this category mm -hmm. that has been so underserved. And yeah, yeah. I, you know, my family's Indian and I remember thinking these same things growing up, like the first time I saw, um, you know, a vaguely South Asian looking actress or model around, I was like, oh wow, it's finally our time. And then now as an adult, I'm like, seriously, there are almost 2 billion people yeah. of that description right. on the planet. Like, right. why did I have to wait till I was yeah. mid-20s to see yeah. it happen? Um, so I think it's very timely. Yeah. Are you guys, have you gotten any backlash from people saying that you're not including, you're not inclusive because you're not including um, Caucasians in the white community? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't say we've gotten any backlash, but we do sometimes get the question. And, you know, I, I Amanda and I have talked about, look, what does five years from now, what does 10 years from now look like for Minted in terms of expanding um, to, to also include white women? And the thing is, right now, we're not actually excluding them. In fact, we have plenty of white customers because our products are so pigmented. I think if you want a very pigmented, neutral shade, like whether you're white, black, Indian, or anything in between, you're gonna be able to find something from Minted. But we don't feature white women in our ads. We don't feature them on our website. We don't feature them on our uh, in our social, and the reason why is because like we sort of are of the opinion, if you try to be everything to everyone, you sort of end up being nothing to no one. And so what we really wanted to come out the gate saying is we are going to be an incredibly strong brand for women of color. And right now we're still in our infancy; we're only two years old. So right now we think in order to really drive that point home, you still have to be able to come to our site and see black and Indian women and Guyanese women. And you have to be able to see that and know that and absorb it. Um, and so for right now, we think that's the best way to get the point across that if you are of a deeper skin tone, if you have any melanin whatsoever, and you feel like you've been neglected by makeup brands in the past, this is a brand that not only won't neglect you, but will prioritize you and will put you front and center in a way that most brands just aren't willing to do. Um, so we still think that's really important, but that doesn't mean that there will never be a white model for Minted. In fact, we, I think we actually have worked with a white model in the past. Um, it just means right now we've got to focus on the audience that we genuinely feel is underserved. Yeah, and definitions of race and ethnicity are changing so much as well, where increasingly people don't even identify as one ethnic group anymore, where yeah. you know people will say that I'm part this and part that and a little bit of this and you know I look this way but my skin tone is this and my hair is this and yeah. you know we're yeah. all so incredibly super specialized in our beauty needs at this time yeah totally yeah <laughs> <laughs> and, well and also just to that point I mean I think is it by some year 2040 2050 mm -hmm. oh, most most Americans will be people of color we will uh, become the majority and then when you think about all the biracial 
Americans. I mean, most people will have melanin, a fair amount of melanin in the next yeah. 20 years, I right? I saw this beautiful, a couple years ago, this beautiful National Geographic um, portrait series. Actually, you guys would love it because it kind of hits on some of these issues, but it featured the most unique ethnic pairings and just like all the people were really beautiful because it was just totally unexpected combinations of you know it's kind of a sneak preview of what's happening with globalization mm -hmm. and um kind of you know pangea becoming you know, the internet and yeah. instagram and you know everyone becoming all all intermingled um, and um different so it was really interesting. Yeah. I think it's interesting too because it's kind of like a larger trend that's happening because everyone is mixing and needs different things. You really, that's where you get the rise of the independent beauty brand. And so over the last 10 years, there have been all these amazing indie beauty brands that popped up that are pretty specialized in either an ethnicity or a, um, a perspective or a you know trend of some kind and I think they've really been able to grow because everybody wants to be a super super special unicorn and so then you have all these brands that allow you to express your uniqueness in all of these different ways and it's finally like you know everyone feels like finally a brand is speaking to me no matter mm -hmm. who you are or what you're doing there is absolutely a beauty brand out there for you if you want something kitschy or something gothic or something bright or muted or pigmented or not and um, and you can buy it everywhere and wherever you are in all of these different ways and I think that's what's going to be incredible in the trend that will continue which is how do these indie beauty brands continue to just ramp up personalization like what is it going to look like in 10 years when you can just you know punch in a few numbers and get the exact thing that you want however that looks um, I think it'll just be interesting to see how it continues to evolve in that way. That's uh, such a good point. So let's go back to talking a little bit about the business behind the company. So I imagine you guys have scaled beyond the um, kitchen counter setup. Once you first got traction and people were liking the product, how did you officially launch and how did that look for you in terms of scaling the business better? Well, our, our first launch, it's funny because we were talking about this on a, a panel the other day. Um, when we first launched, we launched to maybe a thousand people. That's maybe how many followers we yeah, had. Yeah. Maybe 3,000, right? Yeah, but it was yeah. small. But to us, it felt like Whoa. the world, right? Like, we are going live. <laughs> like, this yes. is some big right. shit, you know? And like, are we ready? Yeah, are we ready? <laughs> like, what is the world going right. to think of this launch? But, you know, and the reality yeah. is, at that point, the world was a thousand people. Like right. that's how many people knew when we launched. So the good, the good part of that was the things that we got wrong early on. A thousand people knew. Yeah. You know, and we got better and we got better and we got better. But for us, launching meant telling our Instagram followers, mm -hmm. which were about a thousand people, mm -hmm. and telling our email list, which was about a couple hundred folks. Yeah. <laughs> and and that was our launch. Mm -hmm. And then as people started liking it and telling their friends about it. We started noticing, oh, we're getting even more followers. Oh, we're getting even more email subscribers. But I would say the thing that probably took us to the next, like, sort of um, level in terms of audience was really the press. Yeah. And, and, and we invested in a publicist pretty early, um, which some people will say to do, some people will say not to do. I think if you can find a good one, it's super worth it in beauty. Um, and our publicist was really great, and she got us in front of, a lot of beauty yeah. editors who matter, who wrote about us, and that's really what started kicking off our, our true sort of audience mm -hmm. building. Yeah, 
say another point in the beginning was just when our customers realized we were addressing their, their needs. Like, so the first launch was six um, new to neutral lipsticks, but three months later, we came out with three more lipsticks, absolutely addressing what we heard from customers that wanted a deeper shade or wanted some lighter shades. And shout out to KJ who heads PD, but it was like, okay, how quickly can we do this? And I think that trust that we built and being able to do that over and over again and every other time that we've heard from customers and then been able to quickly adapt to whatever that request was or you know obviously it has to fit within mint it but making sure our customers know that we're there for them how they need us to be um that agility is like inherent to the company and it builds trust and i think um we have kind of you know lifers if you will because of that yeah that's really awesome that you're able to be so responsive yeah um what is the size of your company at this time do you have a lot of employees or a few or you know what is it what is the footprint of mentor yeah. looking like it's big to us yeah i mean when we first started it was two of us yeah. two of us, us so. too now we've now ten. five times that yeah so, so you've had a five <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> in two years yeah. exactly exactly, exactly. Feels like a big number when you say it like that totally yeah, yeah. 500 percent yeah exactly. yeah exactly and by the end of this year we think we'll be at um 14 mm-hmm. 14 or 15 so leaps about 750 yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like whoa you're scared a lot of folks yeah 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 i remember when we first started and we were in my apartment and kj and i set up our area at the dining room table and we're like okay how are we going to sit and we sat across from each other and we set up a printer that like didn't really work and like, we had our little school supplies and notebooks and we were like we are open for business yeah like totally mhq minted <laughs> headquarters is what we started calling it and then just to see how that has evolved like how we grew the business and and other employees from that apartment then moved to a we work now we're in our own office that we're already about to outgrow like um just how much can happen in two years is quite incredible and i remember even when we found this first office it was horrible it was green walled carpeted disgusting and we walked in and we were like this is it we can yeah. see it yeah. <laughs> Just... and now it's super cute yeah uh, yeah now it's super <laughs> yeah, cute but yeah it's pink and wide and bright and all of the things and then just what's the next office going to look like what is the next experience that our future employees will have um just being able to shape that and, and see the vision come to life that freedom we love it and did you find um that, or have you found that you like being the source of direct-to-consumer sales, or do you have plans for expansion in that direction as well? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's sort of a million-dollar question, yeah. and the minted office, it, the, the question being, when will we go into retail in a big way? We tested the waters this holiday in Macy's at Herald Square which was fantastic. We loved being there and it was nice and contained. It was one store we could visit. We had minted ambassadors there almost every single day and it did really well for us. So it sort of made us feel like, you know, we can do retail, like when the time comes, we believe our products will do well there. But the thing is when you go into retail, you actually give up a lot of control over your brand. Right, all of a sudden you're not the one, first of all, when someone buys from you, you don't even know who that person is. And we are very used to collecting customer data, analyzing that data. I mean, we're data nerds, yeah. right? So just the thought of someone having minted, we don't know who that person is and where they live and like how old they are. And like, <laughs> weird. That is weird for us. Yeah. Um, 
so that's one thing but then but then also like you don't have that much control over how it's displayed you don't have that much control over when something goes out of stock will someone immediately restock it mm-hmm. most likely they will not if if the display starts looking messy what are you gonna do you know that store is in Oklahoma you're in New York you're not gonna do anything about it it's just gonna look messy and then that customer is gonna walk in and have a messy minted experience but we can control our website right and we can make sure that when she comes to our site she's getting the full story the way she wants it mm-hmm. we're talking to her about her skin tone we're giving her the tutorials we like that experience that we can control and, it, and we're control freaks too <laughs> yeah. you know it's, it's nice knowing like mm-hmm. when she when she experiences minted she will experience it the way we've decided she should experience it and eventually we'll have to let go of that control but I, I think right now we're just we're not quite ready yeah and also <laughs> retail maybe is dead right I don't know. No. Well, now you're talking to retail, retail beds, beds here. here. Yeah, we don't. We don't think retail is dead. Yeah, I think there's there will be there will always be a place for people to go in always. the store, have it always touch, feel. Always, always be a. Place. I mean, try to not try on beauty. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Well, no matter what it is, beauty, clothes, shoes, yeah. like. I will always want to go in the store and touch and feel and ask someone a question. At least some parts of yeah. it. You, you, the, the thing is, and we don't think retail is dead. We do think a Part. lot of people are getting it wrong. Yes. A lot of people are getting the retail experience wrong. A few people are getting it right. Mm-hmm. So like one brand that I think is doing a phenomenal retail job right now is Rent the Runway. I love going to that store. Mm-hmm. I think the technology that they have works really well with the people. Like the technology sort of just enables the people they have. It doesn't replace them. It's so curated. You're not looking through a bajillion racks. Like you're not going right. to like marshals and digging it you know it's yeah. like it's very curated mm-hmm. you know and then you know there are seats it's nice they have shoes if you need to try them on with your gown if you're doing an evening gown sort of thing that to me mm-hmm. is a well done retail experience if you contrast that to a lot of going on and trying on experiences in retail those are kind of shitty yeah. right like first of all the lighting is terrible Always. the dressing room attendant is mean yeah and, and never it's there never a flattering mirror <laughs> no the mirror never terrible it's always a fat mirror and things <laughs> <laughs> things are not organized in any sort of way no. like I, what i like about rent the runaways things are organized yeah it's organized i don't know like I think there's so many bad retail experiences out there that it does make it seem like perhaps retail is dead. Mm-hmm. But then you land on a good one exactly. and you're like, oh, this this yeah. is what it should feel like. Well, yeah. how do you get people to feel comfortable with buying something as personal as like a skin tone shade yeah. online without like, you know, we're so used to putting it on the back of our hand or yeah. trying it on with a little Q-tip or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How do you replace that? Visuals are key. I mean, that's part of one of the many reasons we work with so many influencers of very different uh, skin tones, right? So you can actually find someone you like out there in the oh, universe yeah. who has tried on oh, minted. I look like her and she uses that. Exactly. Right. And they try it on and they sample it and they put it on their face and so you get that whole experience. And then on our site, on every single product page, every product is on at least three different skin tones. So you can start to see, oh, she's like me and she does it like this or she uses it like that. We also have a graphic that shows every single lipstick on four different skin tones or five different skin tones. Um, so you can really start to explore the site and see how do you fit in and like, oh, in my summer shade versus my winter shade. Maybe I need this versus this. Yeah. Also, we have amazing customer service who is there for you, whether you're online or email them or chat them um, to answer any questions. So yeah. people will absolutely say, this is my Facebook photo. What's my shade? We and get that we email. Answer all the time. Every day. Yeah. And I think people are kind of surprised when like it's a person who emails back and is like, yep, I looked at your photo. Foxy brown and dope tote. Yeah. 
those are the two for you. And then they yeah. get them I and love they're like, those this names. is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then they get yeah. the product and they're like, oh, oh. this is perfect. And yeah. it's like, yeah, because a real person looked at your photo right. and came up with that recommendation. So, yeah, we get that. Yeah. We probably get that email more than almost any other. It, yeah. yeah. I mean, I think it's just about visually showing people what your brand stands for, who it's for, and then following that up with like the best service to let people know that they are actually prioritized. Yeah. My dream is one day we like completely do free shipping and free returns and free exchanges just like across the board. That's my dream. I think we got to raise another round for that. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's, I mean, it's an expensive yeah. thing to do. But the payoff. Yeah. But the, I think fair. the payoff would be huge. You know, I think that is the barrier for a lot of people. They know, even though we, and I think we have a great return and exchange program. But you can't make it completely free for every single thing. And, you know, it just, it becomes operationally too expensive until it doesn't. Right. And, and that's my goal. Yeah. We'll <laughs> it's, to, it's to get us there. Yeah. That's so cool. So what do you think the future of beauty is then? Because, what you know, we're still, this is awesome. And I think you guys are doing something that absolutely needed to be done. But we're still in this place where the Victoria's Secret fashion show is a bunch of, you know, 5'10 Caucasian models who are 108 pounds, and it's all a male fantasy. Yeah. Um, Or, you know, some male's fantasy, Mm -hmm. not even every male's fantasy. But, you know, how do we get from that to where we are right now, which is so many people who are women of substance and Mm -hmm. women of color or not, or, you know, all people all over, the, mm-hmm. all across the board. How do we get our magazines and our media and our celebrities and our actors and our news anchors, etc., our leaders, our CEOs, how do we get them to reflect what's happening right now? Mm-hmm. I think consumers have so much power. Mm-hmm. And I think consumers will be the reason all of these brands, and, and are the reason all of mm-hmm. these brands are diversifying. I think the reason Maybelline now has 30 shades of foundation when two years ago they had like 12 shades of foundation is because consumers demanded it and said, I will take my dollars over here away from you and started doing that and Maybelline paid attention. I think that's true for films, right? Like my husband and I committed a a few years ago to no longer paying movie theater prices for movies that don't have any people of color in the lead. Right, and so now we just don't do it. Now we will still rent it. There, there are a lot of good movies out there that don't have people of color in the leads. But we're not going to spend the thirty dollars that you have to spend in New York. It's closer to forty, really. We're going to wait, and we're going to spend five ninety nine because we think movies should reflect the world. In the world, there's like how many spaces can you walk into where there are no people of color? Isn't that doesn't even make sense? So I think consumers have a lot of power, and we will be the reason brands change. Will be the reason you know, acting and, and films change will be the reason our politicians change. Mm-hmm. We are the reason there's so much more color and so many more women in the House of Representatives right now and in Congress right now. Like, but it'll be because we're vocal and because we demand it and we shift our dollars and our attention and our votes to the people who look like us. And I think recognizing that power that we have is, is so important. And I think we're doing it more. Yeah, agreed. And I would say, I would add on that to say, the shift will happen not only with the way consumers spend their money, but with who they can spend with. So I think this rise of startups, it's, it's going to change the game. And black women are the fastest 
growing demographic of entrepreneurs in this country. And so, and I think that will continue to happen across the, the female spectrum that, okay, brands are making the male fantasy or they're doing whatever from their own perspective. Let me make a company that does it from my perspective and my tribe of people will come after it and do and buy this thing. And I think the more that that happens, the more people see that there's room for multiple brands in a space. Like no one wants to just buy one thing all the time. And and so often consumers feel limited because there is just the Victoria's Secret in their mind. But what if there were six other choices and six other fantasy walkways, runways with six other fantasies, you know? What, what do those unlimited options look like? And I think the more people feel empowered to do that and to go after something, win, lose, or draw, like the more options we'll have and it'll be better for everybody. Everybody will have to step their game up when there is more competition. And on the topic of beauty, and this is kind of my last question that I want to talk to you guys about, um, and it's a little bit of a harder one to answer and a more philosophical one, but how do we enable the concept that women and men can be their own kind of beautiful because I think we all have grown up in the society where people feel like you know the Diane character on blackish where mm -hmm. they feel like if they're a certain um, tone or shade or they look a certain way or they were born inheriting a certain set of physical characteristics they just do not feel as beautiful as that other person that they're aspiring to be like so how do we change what modern beauty means and democratize the concept of beauty a little bit more? For me, it's always going to go back to visuals. The only reason the girl with red hair and freckles thought she was ugly is because she never saw a model with red hair and freckles. The only reason a character like Diane doesn't think she's separated is or celebrated is because there's right now like one Lupita for us all to get behind, right? And that's still a new concept. The last time we really celebrated a very deep shade woman was what, like Grace Jones or, mm -hmm. you know? So if you get one role model every 30 years, yes, there will absolutely be a generation who feels left out and uncelebrated. And I think it's about having representation in all areas of life um, and everyone really holding everybody else accountable to that. Um, not letting it slide when you don't see yourself in spaces and making sure you speak up until you, until you do. Yeah. I do think the internet and social media in particular has been really helpful in terms of democratizing the definition of beauty. I think influencers sometimes get a bad rep, right? Because people see influencers and they're like, oh, you take pictures all day and you get paid, right? But the reality is a lot of these influencers, like, I think they have diversified what beauty means. I think there's so many influencers. I, I, I go down YouTube rabbit holes all the time and you see people who don't look anything like the classic definition of beauty right they don't have long straight hair they aren't skinny their features aren't super symmetrical it's not you know it's yeah, like yeah. they 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 look like normal people and yet they have audiences of millions who flock to them to understand how do i use this concealer how do i use you know this hair serum or whatever it is like and they are redefining what beauty is and and i love that there's nothing i love more than seeing someone who wouldn't be considered classically beautiful and, and has has redefined that, not just for themselves, but also for their audience. So I think social media and, and, and the internet in particular is doing a really bang up job of helping us all understand that I beauty totally is, is big. Yeah, you know? and it's interesting, you know, in my role as a plastic surgeon, it's kind of similar to what you guys are doing in cosmetics because the overarching structure of what we do is to help people be different 
but yet you don't want people to feel that they need to be different, you know, and ideally you want to help someone feel like the best version of themselves, totally. not like they have to turn into some other different kind of person. And yeah. This is something that I talk about a lot with my colleagues and in my professional world, like, can you be a woman of substance and also care about your appearance? And can you like feel great and body positive and self-confident, but feel like, oh, I'd really like to smooth out this wrinkle or like cover up my under eye area or you know brighten things up with some lipstick or whatever and like to me the answer is obviously of course you can yeah yeah it's not a zero-sum game and we all live in the gray area we're complex people yeah completely agree I and I and I, I just think no one questions when a man is like I want to get a shape up for my beard, yeah. or I want to get rid of these grays. Like he's not considered vain. It's like or yeah, I want to work on my abs. Yeah, I want to work on my abs a day. Like, it's yeah. like oh, you want to take care of yourself. Yes, and that matters. You know, like yeah. how you present yourself in the world matters. And for some people, that means yes, I do want to put on makeup before I go out the door. For other people, that means like yeah, I do want to make sure my hair is done a certain way. For some mm-hmm. people, that means yes, I, I don't want to have wrinkles, whatever it is. But like I think caring about the way you present yourself is not it is is simply that you know caring about the way you you come across in the world well it's been amazing to have you guys (laughs) where can everyone find you Uh, midtickcosmetics.com or follow us on social media at midtickcosmetics okay amazing and i can't wait to hear about all the exciting things you guys have next (laughs) thank you thank you so much